make your life a masterpiece. Imagine no limitations on what you can be, have, or do. That is a quote by Brian Tracy. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Welcome to episode 138. The topic of this week's episode is the financial comeback. My guest this week is Al Jones. Al had hit rock bottom before he recognized the financial hole he had dug for himself. He had weakened his financial foundation with a series of poor decisions and a criminal case of identity theft has struck the finishing blow. It would take a lot of work to repair his credit. Luckily, Jones was up for the challenge. He now wants to share his insightful journey with you. As of August of 2020, his credit score has increased to a perfect rating of 850. Hi, Al. Welcome to Trina Talk. Hey, Trina. So how's it going? Good, good. It's nice and toasty warm here in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, how's the weather in Houston? Rainy. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's rainy today. Okay. Yeah, okay. but I used to live in Arizona. So, um, yeah, I know you guys are in triple digits right now, right? That uh, sounds about, but it's a dry heat, as we call it here. It's a dry heat. And I had some friends that live in Houston near the Galleria on Westheimer, mm-hmm. as I would call it. Great family. So was stationed in Fort Hood years ago, so I used to commute up to Houston to stay with them over the weekend a few times. Yep, yep. So we yeah, we got a lot of similarities there, you know, military, you live in Phoenix and all that. But let's get to the show. So usually how I like to start is I tell the listeners who Al is and how you come to be the Al that you are today. I'm Al Jones, personal finance author and game developer. I'm a current resident and native of Phoenix, Arizona. After years of making poor financial decisions and thinking it was the norm, I decided to take action, make a change in my life, document the process along the way. And I'm here now with the perfect 850 FICO score, ready to share my story with your listeners. Interesting. So let's just delve into that. Uh, Share this story. Now, when you said, you know, you made bad choices and everything, tell us about that. Tell us about your journey, because I like to know about the journey and your failures as well as your successes, because I know a lot of people just talk about the successes, but often it's the failures that help other people. So tell us about your journey. I started really getting a clue of what was going down back in, say, seventh and it was a seventh around seventh grade. My mother and father divorced and I was 
the eldest boy at the house. So pretty much it was my mother and my eldest sister and my younger brother. Mom was out working multiple jobs and my sister was out working. My brother was out riding bicycles and whatnot back then. This was the late 70s, early 80s or so. And what was happening, Trina, was that I would start getting calls or people would call, bill collectors would call our home late at night. And back in the 70s, early 80s or so, collection agencies, they were brutal. Nowhere near how nice and polite and politically correct they are now. But back then they were brutal. So what would happen was they would call at crazy hours. Everybody for the most part was gone from home. I was the one that was fielding the calls and they would call and they were again they were really rude and they would say stuff hey you know you better need you need to tell your mother she needs to pay us right now or else so i would have tears in my eyes i wouldn't make a big scene and start crying but i started to see a pattern and i thought that these bill collectors were being mean to my mother why are they being mean to my mother and it occurred to me a little later that it was because of the decisions that she made, the financial decisions she would make, not paying the bills for two, three months, buying hats, purses, shoes, and stuff like that. So bills would fall behind. So what I decided to do was take action as a young kid and try to to save my home, if you will. They would call and harass me. And then I decided to be polite, Overloading with kindness. Yes, Mr. Smith. You know, they're calling, they're rude. Yes, Mr. Smith. This is Al, you know, this is Alton. And how can I help you? Sorry, developing customer service skills at that age. Yes, Mr. Smith, how can I help you? Well, you need to tell your mother she needs to pay X amount. I will make note. Is there anything else I could I could help you with? Is there anything else I could share with my mother to help get this bill paid? Well, just tell her to do X, Y, and Z. We'll do, Mr. Smith. We'll do. Click. Then when mom gets home later on that night, I have this long list of people that would call. Mom, Mr. Smith called from collection agency A, B, and C. They want X amount. Well, I can't pay that amount. Can you pay this? She would tell me, and I would relay back to the bill collector that I would call the following night. And then it got to a point to where I was negotiating repayment settlements, <laughs> repayment settlements for my mother. And then once they, once the bill collectors realized that I was not blowing them off, then they started dialing down the rudeness. Okay, this is Al, yes, sir, this is Al. And I did tell my mother when she walked in the door last night that you called and she would be willing to pay X amount Okay, and then after a while, the bills, she started making the payments as prescribed and it became a more happier environment. Fast forward, I thought that that was the norm. Hardship was supposed to be the norm. It was supposed to be in the struggle, you know, living like good times, the show good times, <laughs> living in the struggle. And I thought that was the norm. So I followed in the same footprint. Bill collectors started calling me crazy hours, calling me at work, demanding payment. And I got to a point, Trina, to where I thought, this is crazy. This is this is getting old. Al, how old are you, really? 
So I decided to take action and document my journey along the way. And this is around 2005 or so. And I wrote a book documenting the process. I read multiple books. Most of the books that were out there at the time, and even to this day, were hundreds of pages in length. DVD sets, five or six, CD sets, five or six. And the author of the material that was out there would encourage you to read the entire book. Read all 500 pages and your life will change, your credit score will change. Watch these DVDs, entire set of five, listen to the entire six set of CDs and your credit will change. Well, for me, after about a chapter in length in the book, and after one DVD or one CD, I said, you know what, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. And it occurred to me that the length of the material that was out there was extra in length by design. They didn't expect you to really read the entire thing. Once you get to a chapter, wow, you know, I'm done and put it aside. Well, that's good for them. So I decided to write a book. The first book I wrote was a chapter in length because that's the amount that my brain could comprehend in one lump. So wrote a book that was very technical. Click this link, go to this website. And what happened was after publication, some of the phone numbers were out of order. Some of the links were dead. So I decided to create a new book, the one that I've got now, my journey from bad to excellent credit in a more narrative format. So here I am with an 850 FICO, went from about 600 or so to 850. Mm. So here I am, Trina. Wow. So that's amazing. So, uh, I mean, I know people are going to be listening and saying, okay, how do I do that? <clears throat> and to go back a little bit, you being in seven years old, seven years old, seventh grade, seven years old. Uh, about seventh grade. Seventh, seventh grade, grade. And negotiating. And I mean, other than just seeing your mother struggle and work hard, what, how did you know how to do that? How did you know to talk to bill collectors? Cause I, I remember those days when the bill collectors would call, uh, how, how did you know? And it was not that? nice. No, it was not nice. It was not, it was not nice. It was not nice. In my environment where I grew up, it was, a, my mother was a strict disciplinarian and my father is a former, it was an ex-marine. Mm. So heavy, di- right. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so you got that heavy, di- <laughs> so you got that heavy disciplinary environment. So I was used to being talked to in a very direct way. So what I was doing at that time and talking to the bill collectors was somehow trying to de-escalate what the what they were trying to do is like okay I don't want to repeat what I've experienced in the past what can I do so it's like survival mm. survival instincts I think would really kicked in and try to help them dial it back in my childhood it was preached if you will being the child of a, uh, a minister an evangelist you know, be nice, treat people really nice, you know, nonviolent things. So I'm just trying to overkill with the kindness and treating them nice, talk to 
talking to the bill collectors kindly, despite the negative feel I was getting from them. I would hope that my kindness would override the negative and go from there. Wow. That's amazing. So tell us, how did you, how did you get yourself out of the hole that you got? First, tell us the kind of hole that you got in. Okay. To the hole, to the point to where I was, one thing come to mind was multiple divorces and multiple occurrences of identity theft and multiple bouts of unemployment. And you just go through the cycle. I started seeing a cycle. I was married, divorced, unemployed, got a job, lost that job, unemployed again. And it's just this ongoing cycle. So finally, I just got to a point after sleeping on the floor and eating, I recall, chili and spaghetti. One week, I was eating chili for an entire week. And this is over years. One week, I would set aside this big chub of ground beef. I would make chili for an entire week. The next week, I would eat spaghetti. And every now and then, I treat myself to an eight-piece basket of chicken. If you're Since you're in Texas, there was a store called H-E-B. So I would go to H-E-B. Okay, so I'd go to H-E-B, and they would have an eight-piece bag of chicken. So sometimes I would treat myself to a wing for breakfast. Sometimes I'd treat myself to a breast for dinner. And every now and then I would go to the theater and do the 99 cent uh, movie, you know, matinee at night. But it was a matter of the bad decision-making I had in life, the routine of thinking that it's going to, it should be like this. This is how life is supposed to be. So it was just a matter of repeated bad decision-making while I was in Korea, for example. I was stationed at Korea, 2nd Infantry Division in Korea. I was lonely. That was the first time being away from home full-time. I was a you know, mama's boy. I'm going to be stored out there. So I was at home. I was lonely. And I would go to the officer's club and play the slot machine. So didn't want to go outside too far off off post, I would play the slot machines and obviously I would lose money. After I would use all my money, I would sit outside the club (laughs) and I'd see the workers after hours at the same slot machines taking the money out. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? But I just kept that whole cycle going. College, what was happening was when you sign up for the classes, they would often have tables out that are out there while you're signing up for your classes. The banks, the city banks, the Discovers, Visa, they would all sit out there. And before you fill out the information for your classes, hey, sign up for this credit card right here. And if you sign up for this credit card, we'll give, you know, you'll get potentially a $500 credit limit and you can get a free t-shirt. Well, you know, you're struggling college. Man. Hey, a couple extra clothes. Sure. I'll fill it out. Well, and then you get that $500 credit limit, and then you think, well, I'm king of the world. I want to take all my friends out to lunch and buy groceries for the family and stuff like that. And stuff just starts catching up with you, Trina. Mm. Yes. Yep. That sounds familiar. I, I, I mm-hmm. went through some craziness like that in my college days, too. 
<laughs> so what exactly did you do to get out of all of that? I mean, first, okay, first thing you got to do, you got to recognize that you are in this. There is a problem, right, yeah. right, right. So once I did, once it, it hit to me, I just got to the point where it's like, okay, this is crazy. Then, and after reading all the books, CDs, DVDs, I decided to generate my credit reports and scores from each of the three separate, notice how I say <laughs> each of the three separate credit bureaus, Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. I got the credit reports from each of the three separate credit bureaus, got the information, looked at it, realized, okay, this is wrong, that's wrong. You know, you're battling the ID theft issues as well. Clean that up the best way possible and just keep repeating that until you get it to a point to where everything is accurate and just start paying bills off, start negotiating with the lenders direct and or the collection agencies. Now with the collection agencies, some will tell you, don't talk to them at all. You could, some will say, pay it off, even though it's gone to collection. That's the, the road that I decided to take. I wanted to own up to the responsibility. Yes, I, I owe you a thousand dollars. I'm willing to pay it back. And one of the things I discovered was let's say a bill goes to collections. Okay, you could ignore it. I decided to go ahead and pay it off. So $1,000 I owe to company ABC. What I did is I contacted them direct and said, okay, collection agency ABC, I'm willing to pay you guys off. I know I owe a thousand. I'm willing to pay you $750 if you clear the delinquency, the delinquencies off each of the three separate credit bureaus. Wipe them clean. You promise me that we're good to go. Okay, so reduce it to writing, sent it over to them. And as soon as they replied back with a go, boom, I transferred payment to him. And a couple of weeks later, it was gone. So doing that kind of negotiating with collection agencies, that has helped out. That helped me out a lot. You know, it's interesting you say that because I'm I'm listening to you and I did that exact same thing because in college, like you said, I had credit cards and stuff because I financed my own way through college and I was a poor college kid. So um, yep. I ended up getting myself into, you know, some similar crap, you know, like you a mess. And I, I figured out that they just want money. They want you to own up. So when mine went to collection, I would do the same thing. I would call them and say, Hey, you know, I know I owe this, but I can pay you this. Just make sure, yeah, wipe all of my my credit. Wipe it clean. Wipe it clean. Wipe everything. Yeah, Citibank financed a lot of my education. <laughs> yeah, Citibank, Citibank and Discover. Thank you, Citibank and Discover, for financing my college education. <laughs> but I did the same thing, you know, and it's funny because I ended up, it took me, I don't know, a couple of years to get that all done. But once I got it done, I got my first house, uh, things just go. But what people don't understand is you, yeah, you have to contact these people and talk to them. Just ignoring it won't make it go away. Correct. Correct. Over seven years, some people will just ignore it and ignore it. And after seven years, it falls off. But I didn't want to go right. down that road. 
Yeah, because that's a long time. And then you think about, okay, you want to get on with your life. You know, you want to get a house, right. you want to get a car, whatever. Right. You know, so you have to do something. And and when it gets to collection, they just want to settle it. They just want it Correct. paid for. So, yeah, you could offer them half of what you owe them. And nine times out of 10, they'll say, okay, because they just want to, they want getting something is better than, you know, not getting anything. So that's kind of right. their their thought process. But man, those those bill collectors back in the day, they were horrible. Ooh. I mean, it was, Damn. oh my God. And it's like the days where, remember, you had the answer machine. So you would hear them when they call. <laughs> like, oh, this is so-and-so. Just blow it up. <laughs> yeah, they, right. They're just blowing up your answer machine. Like, you come back, like, 15 messages on the <laughs> on the, on the machines. Like, uh, calling you at work. Yes. Calling you at work. And you're sitting there trying to do some... T- and my issue, I was a, a supervisor at the, at one point and they would call just some crazy times and the staff was a cube or so behind yeah. me and you're trying to get it together <laughs> trying to get it together yes this is elton and i will make sure there's payments in the mail well and the other, the other thing that they would do is they would encourage you to give them a check number <laughs> for two or three months in advance to make sure that they got that payment. I mean, it was, it was brutal. Oh man. But it was a decision that I made. So, Hey, it is what it is. So it is what it is. So what other things did you do? And since, you know, we're laughing and talking about the, the bill collectors and where you said like, now they really don't do that. What are they doing now? Cause thank God I'm not behind on any bills. So I don't know. <laughs> so what do they do now? And what advice do you have for someone that may be in a situation like that? The practices that they're doing now, I'm not, since I'm out of that loop as far as them calling me. So I do not know what their their lighter practices are now. I assume that it's not as bad. Some may still be doing it. You know, they just do it until somebody raises a red flag, you know. So they still may be doing some crazy stuff. So one of the things that I... Issues that I would tell people to focus in on is don't run from the calls. Do not run from the calls. Respond to the calls. Own the responsibility of your past due payments. And talk Mm -hmm. with them. Let them know what's going on. Okay, you got a call from a bill collector. Hi, Mr. Bill Collector. (laughs) Um, I'm having these problems right now. Who is it? <laughs> and I can pay you X amount. Pay it. If you said you're going to pay it, do what you say. Pay it and pay it on time and document that you pay. One of the things that you can do is you can make payments with a personal check. Some of the banks now, when you're paying, they don't send you the canceled check. If you can still get a canceled check from your bank, that's fine. Some of the banks that are out there, like USAA that I've got, they will send you a photocopy in the bank statement, a photocopy of the check. So have that documentation. Do not, I repeat, do not use a money order when you process a payment. Because when you use a money order, your only proof of payment is just a stub that you purchase that money order. That's it, just a stub. So 
you're doing some battling with a bill collector. Well, we didn't receive it. Well, I got a step. Well, the step just says she bought that money order. It didn't say that she paid. Wow. Okay? So don't use don't use the money order. What I would also recommend is to use Western Union. Anything that can give you tangible proof that the transaction was confirmed. A canceled check, Western Union money order. Don't you know? Send them cash, obviously. <laughs> so those are the two big things that I would recommend to do when paying off and when work on some settlement issues. Tell them, hey, I can only pay X amount, and I'm willing to pay X amount if you clear the delinquency. Like I said, they're willing. They more may be more than willing to uh, to work with you because they want something. Because all they all they're doing is just processing processing paper, processing debt debt paper. Wow, that's interesting about the money order thing. I, I never knew that about because I, I always wrote checks. And what I did when I was working my way out is I would um, Xerox all the checks before I sent okay. them out and okay. a letter um, or that Certified. bill or whatever attached to it. So that way I had one from my record, but then also I had the council check. So I had that plus the letter from the collector saying, okay, we're going to wipe everything. So as soon as I mailed it, I would say, okay, I mailed it. Are you guys paid in full, blah, blah, blah. Send me a letter so that just in case they didn't wipe anything else, I could send that letter to the credit bureaus and they could see it and they would clean everything up. Okay. The other thing I would do is once I made a change, once something was corrected, I would generate another credit report. So I had was constantly paying the, the 15, 20 some odd dollars for a new report. And what also happens is as debt is being transferred, account numbers on your credit report will change. So if let's say the first the original account number is one, two, three. If it moves to somebody else, it may be one, two, three, dash A, then one, two, three, C, and it will change. So you've got to make, I made little notes of the original account number and all of its changes in every evolution of my credit report. So needless to say, I had a huge stack of paper that I was managing old credit reports because sometimes some stuff may conveniently pop up and hey, this is what changed. And as long as you've got your records of proof that you've made payments, then that will should help should help you out. Now, what I want to ask you is, uh, especially in in this day and age of cyber threats, when you had your ID stolen, your identif- your um, identity or whatever, how did you first of all? Did you know it happened, or did you find out once you got these credit reports and you never had an idea? One comes to mind is AT&T, okay? And I lived in Austin at one time and then moved to Phoenix. Years later, I get this note from AT&T saying that someone opened up an AT&T account like in Austin, the Austin area. And it's like, wait a minute, you know, I'm in Phoenix. So what they demanded was that I show proof that I lived in Phoenix during the time in question, okay? So I was living in an apartment complex and how many, and this is years prior, how many apartment complexes keep the rental records 
you know, 10 plus years back. Fortunately, the apartment complex where I lived in was bought out, made into a condo, and I called and said, hey, this is the situation that I'm dealing with. Do you guys by chance have any past due records? Well, let's check. And they had to go back into some warehouse and these files were sitting in a in the warehouse during the whole transfer of ownership. And fortunately, they were able to find some proof that I was there, some rental agreement that was sitting in some box. So I got that rental agreement from the apartment complex, sent it over to AT&T. And about two months later, they finally, even though I had proof, that I was in Phoenix versus Austin during that time. It still took about two months or so for them to finally clear it off. So th that's how most of them happened. I get some note from them, whether it was, I think another one was Sprint, but AT&T really comes to mind. So that's how I found out. Wow, so you didn't know. And you know, and, and it's funny because those things do happen. Um, I had someone who purchased like a whole bunch of different computers from Dell got a line of credit, purchased them from Dell, but sent them to like Michigan. And at the time I was living in Arizona. So I kept getting this bill from Dell and I kept chucking it. Cause I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't know what Dell is. And then when I finally right. opened it, yeah, it was like, Oh, this is a final notice. Blah, blah, blah. And I called them and I was like, this is not me. I'm sorry. And they were like, Oh, are you sure? I said, look, you sent the bill here to Arizona. Why would I buy these computers and send them somewhere else? Um, so they were like, oh yeah, that does sound like fraud. So I had to do the whole affidavit thing. They wanted me to sign the affidavit okay. saying that that wasn't me, but that just goes to show that you have to check your credit reports and you have to be up on this because things can happen that you don't know about. So you may be wondering why is, you know, why am I, my credit score going down or what's going on? And it could be something that you don't, you're not even aware of. One of the things that I had to do repeatedly with the multiple ID theft issues is to file a police report in the city to where it occurred. Contacted the Austin area police department and let them know this is an ID theft claim. And they had to generate a, I guess a report. And then once I got that police report explaining what had happened, then I sent that also with the other information to the collection agencies. And my thought was, if the person is willing to file a police report about the issue, then they're a little more serious in dealing with the issue. Mm, interesting. So, yeah, it, it was crazy. So, was crazy. man, so before we get into our question, so do you teach this? Like, do you go to college students? Because like we were talking about, college students are like the poor starving artists and they, they, they're getting into debt. Do you go out and teach these principles to anyone? I am more than willing to do so. Just waiting for more invitations. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So, so, so someone's here, here in Phoenix, one's anywhere in the U S contact me and then we'll go from there. Gotcha. Okay. So we're going to get on with our questions. Are you ready? One, two, three, go. <laughs> All right. You're saying that now. Okay. Uh, who or what motivates you? What, who, motive, I, I'm self-motivated. 
I'm self-motivated. And what motivates me is because I slept on the floor eating chili and spaghetti. I don't want to go back. So that whole poverty, being poor, that's a motivator. <laughs> that's a motivator. And that's what motivates me. I don't want to go back. What demotivates you? What demotivates me is when I see people repeat the same patterns and they, they it seems as if they give up. Mm. They just give up. And that's what disturbs me, saddens me uh, when I see that. When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked for your good? Someone, one of the things that come to mind is I had an art teacher and this is back in high school. My mother and I were at the parent, kind of parent teachers conference thing. We go there and my mother looks at my art, my art teacher, and she says, do you, do you think Al has any potential in art? She turns and looks at me, looks at my mother and says, no. And I'm saying, wow. So <laughs> fast forward, I decided to tap into that. And I started with the medium of soft pastels. So I started painting soft pastels and won multiple awards with the Arizona State Fair. Wow. So, huh. What is your fear? My fear, I have no fear. No fear? I have no, I have no fear. Okay. All right. Next question. <laughs> is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? No. No? Because I'm, I'm happy with, the, with how life has progressed. I've went through some ups and downs, but I'm happy that it has made me the person that I am now. Mm, good. Okay. Well, we're going to see how you answer this one. Is there a time that you <laughs> wish you had not done something? No. Okay. No, I'm happy with how life, I'm happy with how life turned out. Okay. Oh, that's, that's a good thing. What is your definition of success? My definition of success is being able to sleep comfortably at night and being able to look at myself in the mirror and say, you know what, Al, you're a nice guy. You're a good guy. And I do that. Mm. And I, I feel that I am successful. Good. How do you recharge? Sleep, sleep, that's a <laughs> sleep. <laughs> yeah, sleep can be underrated. Sleep is, that's how I recharge. Get a good night's sleep. I'm a night owl, but getting a good night's sleep, that's how I recharge. What are you awesome at? I'm awesome at being me. Okay, that's a good thing. What legacy do you want to leave? I want to leave a legacy of a person who was willing to share his experience and be open about the problems and struggles that I've heard. Okay. Give the listeners one motivational takeaway. 
The motivational takeaway in this, as we're talking about personal finance, is do not be afraid to deal with your financial problems, own up to them, and accept that responsibility. Okay, Al. So tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you if they want you to help them with their finances, whatever that may be, or if they just want to reach out and connect with you. My book is available on Amazon. The book title is My Journey from Bad to Excellent Credit. It's available on Amazon, paperback, Kindle, and audiobook. If you want to send me a friend request on Facebook, you can reach out to me at https colon slash slash www.facebook.com slash Alton, that's A-L-T as in Tom, O-N dot J, my middle initial, last name Jones, J-O-N-E-S. So Alton dot J dot Jones, that's for Facebook. You can contact me via telephone, text 623-764-8893. Again, 623-764-8893. You can also reach out to me on Twitter as well as Instagram. The handle is light, L-I-G-H-T, eyes, E-Y-E-S, media, M-E-D-I-A, light eyes media. Check it out. All right. Well, I thank you for being on the show and sharing your your journey to excellent credit because a lot of people, they may not admit it, but a lot of people struggle with that. And that's something um, that I think is good for people to know. So thank you for being on. And it was a joy talking with you. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you, Trina. Thank if you like Trina Talk Podcast, please don't forget to go out to iTunes and rate it five stars and leave a review. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination.